Production. Recorded live. Well, hello, 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 my listening audience. It's your girl, Barbara McGee, and I'm live today in the penthouse. I'm so excited. The energy is so wonderful here in sunny Southern California. And uh, I have some of my favorite people in the entire world on the show tonight. This is a very interesting show. We're going to talk a little bit about, and oh, by the way, this is Straight Talk Live. We just revived the show. We're coming live on www.t25cl.com, and we thank Galaxy Talk Radio for making this uh, privilege and honor of coming to you live possible. So we're going to talk a little bit this evening uh, in kind of a different fashion. We have uh, several co-hosts tonight, along with myself, and I'm going to start with the introductions and welcome uh, them along. Tonight's subject is Blood Quantum, Creek Friedman, and what does that mean to be part of a sovereign nation? What history is hidden that we don't really understand how to tap into it? And why are people wanting to know And why are people asking these questions right now? All right, so I want to start with my illustrious guest calling in from Oklahoma. We're going to start with uh, Mr. Eli Grayson. Now, Mr. Grayson uh, has been a scholar with... um, No scholar. No scholar? Oh, I say scholar. (laughs) Well, anyway... All right, so no scholar, but what I will say that's important is he has been able to give information about, he has been able to give information about the Creek Nation. He is the historian. He has been able to, uh, he's been invited out from Tulsa and from Muskogee to talk to other people about what it is to be quantum blood, what the uh, discussion is behind uh, sovereign nation identity and quantum blood. So we want to welcome uh, Mr. Eli Grayson. Thank you for calling in, Eli. Okay, and it's actually called blood quantum, not quantum blood or blood blood. Absolutely, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, March 24th of this year when you were a special guest guest at UC Irvine School of Law, where they invited you and several other indigenous tribes to come and talk about what it is to be sovereign and how to maintain that sovereignty. Now, we want to go on, and uh, I want to introduce my other panelists. I have Mr. Ron Thompson from KPFA, and he also is the curator for Montage with the Berkeley Community Access Media Group. Welcome, Ron. Thank you very much for having me. You're, yes, you're more than welcome. And tell us a little bit about Montage and how does that relate to uh, Creek Friedman? Tell us in like 30 seconds or so. Well, Montage uh, is dealing with public affairs and current events. And we're lending our time and ourselves not just to uh, entertainment. We started out dealing with entertainment, but we want to deal with information as well because information is what we need, and we need information to fight this disinformation 
having to move forward. And any time you can get an understanding of what's been happening to people, people in America and their plights and things that have happened with the indigenous or, uh, as some say, the original people, well, that information is just the, the fuel for the fire that helps us understand what is happening to us on a historic level. So uh, it's very important that we're dealing, that Montage is dealing with what Mr. Grayson is talking about and what you've invited me so graciously here to, uh, to partake with you, the, the history, the hidden history, the, the, the blood quantum theory. Everyone has had these miseducation things happening with their history. So to have someone that can expose some light, especially with what's happening with the Indians and with black people during that time in America. Absolutely. Well, we thank you for uh, carving out this time, and uh, we thank uh, KPFA, which is a, a national public radio, for allowing you to be with us tonight. Uh, we want to go to our very special executive producer and host, the co-host, Mr. Rodney Best. Rodney, welcome back. And he's coming live from Oakland. Uh, tell us, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. You know, I'm uh, enjoying this uh, warm sun that's setting up here in Oakland, and we're going to be warm the next four days, so that's going to be great. You know, looking forward to that. And, uh, and I'm really looking forward to this discussion to this evening regarding uh, heritage because I think right now the need for Natives and African Americans is that we need to put our heritage on the table a little bit more so our kids know that Together we stand, you know, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm just applauding this. It's an excellent topic. I look forward to it. So, Barbara, back to you, and on the way we go. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we lost uh, Mr. Grayson, but I think he's going to be calling back. So we're going to start with you, Ron. Uh, Ron, um, okay, so I want to just set this up by saying that the UC Irving, Irvine School actually the law school, actually invited several people to come out from several, seven different indigenous groups to discuss how to defend sovereignty with nations that are within nations. And the interesting thing about these young people and how they wanted to hear the political plight of various native and indigenous people, it was very, very informative. Uh, a lot of people think that we all are underneath the U.S. government. A lot of people don't understand that we actually come in under a sovereign treaty that allows us to coexist inside of the U.S. government with certain freedoms. And, with, and now we have Mr. Grayson back, so I want to go to him and have him explain that a little bit to us. So, um, Eli... Uh, in setting this up, uh, tell us, what is the political plight of the sovereign nation of indigenous people? Okay. Yeah, I've been listening. I was actually on another line, but I was, you know, able to hear. Now, you know, this is a problem mainly due to American um, education or what's taught in schools about Indian tribes. And what's missing out of the conversations when we're talking about 
tribal nations, uh, sovereign nations. We're talking about tribes that existed before the U.S. government existed, before the Europeans arrived. There were governments here. They, they were not like European governments, but they were governments where people had elected leaders. They had their own tribes. Um, you know, you have the Cherokee, for example, the Creeks, for example, the Choctaw, for example, who spoke distinct languages, who had distinct leaders. No different than France is from Spain or Spain is from Germany. You know, so these are different groups of people that are political societies, not just races, but political societies with their own distinct cultures, traditions, languages, gods, whatever. They existed before the U.S. came here. Now, since the U.S., since European arrival, since African arrival, um, what you have now pretty much are tribes that are mixed racial where they miscegenated with Africans and Europeans from many different issues, some by marriage, some through enslavement, whatever the case may be, there are a lot of mixed-race Creeks or mixed-race Cherokees or mixed-race Choctaws. You do have full-blooms, the people who have no European or African ancestry at all who are members of the tribe. But then you do have people who are mixed-race. Uh, but I think what people need to understand is that when you're talking about the Creek Nation or the Cherokee Nation or any of those tribes, you're talking about political society, not races of people, but political society. The U.S. government never signed a treaty with a race of people, nor did they sign treaties with ethnic groups. They signed treaties with governments, just like they have treaties with Mexico or with Canada or with, you know, uh, China, whatever. They have treaties with tribal governments. And so that, that's left, always left out of the conversation because people think, oh, because I have a little Indian ancestry, then that makes me a Indian or it makes me a member of a tribe. No, these tribes, they have, uh, just like the United States, have guidelines for citizenship to be an American, Canada has this guidelines to be a Canadian. Uh, Great Britain, same thing. France, same thing. Japan, same thing. So does the Creek, which is a, which is a, it's a conquered nation, but it is a nation with guidelines for citizenship. So I, I, I want your listeners to kind of understand when you hear the word sovereignty tossed around, it, no race is sovereign. What they're talking about is the government of these tribes. No individual in these tribes as an Indian person is actually sovereign. And then you have to understand what the difference is between what's considered a North American Indian or the Mongoloid race and what the United States considers an Indian. One is a political term, and one is a term dealing with race. And when we're talking about an Indian, uh, like you, Bob, or you, and you and I are both members of the Creek Nation. Well, in the eyes of the U.S. government, we're both Indian, though we're both mixed race. But we're Indian because we're members of the Creek Nation, a political society. 
And that's what the U.S. Supreme Court defines uh, Indian person as being a person or an individual who is a citizen of a federally recognized tribe. Now, that person may be a full-blood North American Indian, so to speak, or it could be a person who is black, white, and red, or black and Indian, or white and Indian, as long as that person met the criteria or or the citizenship requirement for that tribal government that they belong to, and, and if the United States government has a federal relationship with them or a treaty relationship with that tribe, then in the eyes of the federal government, that person is an Indian. That person, you know, you're talking about the freedmen, uh, though many freedmen had Indian ancestry, there were a whole lot of Creek freedmen who didn't have Indian ancestry. They were African slaves that had been enslaved in the tribe, but they were freed and granted Creek citizenship. Well, that person became an Indian once that person received or had been adopted, according to the treaties, uh, citizenship in that tribe. So, anyway, are you guys still there? Yes, yes, yes. we're here. That was Very a wonderful uh, 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 overview to set us up so we kind of understand a little bit better. Because trust me, uh, Americans are very confused about yeah, the relationship with well, It's not just Americans. It's, it's, you know, we take, for example, people within our own tribe. You know, the Creeks are about 83,000 people. And, you know, just over the years of working with our tribal members, we're at degrees of understanding what being a citizen of the Creek Nation is. We do have a constitution. We do have laws or code books that people can read and understand what our tribe is about. But most people who are enrolled in our tribe don't care to read those books or don't have a, a basic understanding of what it is to be a Creek. It's no different than being an American. Most most Americans have never read the Declaration of Independence or understand about the you know, the, the US government, how a president is elected and why it's important to vote for, you know, voting elections, or they understand Congress and how Congress actually works, or what are senators, so forth. Most Americans don't know and don't care, you know. And when you get into tribes, especially the bigger tribes, a lot of people don't care, you know. They just, you know, they enroll for the goodies, and um, and that's it. And beyond that, that's, you know, that's what you got. But you do have people who do care and they do understand, but the vast majority don't. Yeah. It All is, right. Uh, this so, is Rodney, so, Rodney, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I have a question. You know, listening listening to your your your, your statement. And, you know, I concur with you. Apathy is a very, very significant term that's that's really covering the United States at a very rapid rate, whereas opposed to years in the past where history history was African-American history, there was Native history. We're in America today. Do you think – here's the question – do you think the fact that we've allowed the public school system to only say American history, that it 
prohibits our children from wanting to digest more of their heritage and of their history. What do you think about that? Well, I, which I, I agree with you. You know, I, I'm here in Oklahoma. Um, the history, you know, there's 37 Indian tribes in Oklahoma, and there's very little known about these tribes in Oklahoma. What they teach in public schools is very generic. Uh, you got to understand, uh, you know, throughout the school system, there's so much to focus on. Uh, so things are taught. They're taught in a very generalized way. And you've got teachers who don't understand this history, too. So, you know, a lot of uh, Indian history is taught from television. I mean, I meet people all the time using words like squaw, you know, oh, I met a squaw, you know, things like that. Well, which was acceptable in John Wayne movies, you know, or, you know, or just, you know. I, I think we always movies. knew it was not nice. I think we always knew that that was not, <laughs> but like you say, acceptable. I'm sorry to, yeah. to just barge right in there, sir, but I'm feeling compelled since you asked, since you uh, made the statement so eloquently, and it, it, it's so very true, about uh, it, uh, Americans, most people don't know much of history as it is. They don't know the true history, thus the hidden history we're talking about. So if you can, for me and maybe for some other folks, uh, just a couple issues really quickly that might help, it would help me to understand anyway, so what where I'm looking at is uh, why weren't all the Indians sovereign at the time since the Indians were here, uh, uh, or, or so we've been told, when, when the European arrived here. And then if you could also shed a little bit of light on uh, the slavery that was happening, the system uh, under which the uh, Africans found themselves, the runaway slaves found themselves, and dealing with the Indians and how that whole thing resolved. <laughs> well, and, and let me was, tell you something. Ain't no runaway slave ran into the Creek Nation okay, and said, having, I want to be your slave. You, we're having you a know? gentleman issue, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Grayson, can I have you speak up? There's a little bit of a sound issue, and go ahead. Okay. You know, a lot, and, and here lies a lot of the myth, you know. Uh, first of all, Tribes are inherently sovereign, despite the United States. It works like apologize, sir. We're losing yeah. you again. We're losing you again. I apologize for interrupting, but something is happening. You're trailing off. Um, uh, can you hear me? Hello. A little better okay. now. Yes. L- little better. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. This is a live recording. Right, okay. Ahead. First, tribes are inherently sovereign. Before the U.S. was here, before Spain was here before France was there. There were tribal governments here. They might not have had the systems of the European countries, but there was a government system among the tribes here. And you cannot slop all Indian tribes into the same system. We have many different languages. We have many different religions. We have many different traditions that are separate, just like Spain is different from Germany. All is what five hundred miles away from each other, you know. So when you think about the vastness of the United States and over five hundred tribes that are federally recognized today, 
And at one point, there were thousands that were here before. So we don't know how many tribes were, uh, you know, genocide affected when the Europeans came that we don't know that, you know, we only know stories of them today. You know, but let's talk about the slavery issue. I, I hear all the time, well, there were, you know, runaway slaves that ran into the, into the Creek Nation or ran into the Seminole Nation. I've never seen that document. What I've seen is my ancestors who were Creek Indians going to the slave markets and purchasing African slaves. Okay. And that's how they ended up with slavery. It's just a myth that people just assume Oh, because Indians can't own slaves. That's a white thing that, that you know, we can't, you know, it's hard to digest. It's hard to conceive that such a, you know, what TV teaches this peaceful image of Native people loving the earth and the trees and tree huggers and all that stuff, that they couldn't possibly do what Europeans were doing with people of African descent. Oh, yes, they were. And not only that, Indians enslave other Indian tribes. If you were a conquered tribe, that, you know, a tribe that was conquered by another tribe, you were enslaved. Slavery is a humanity problem. It has nothing to do with race. It's a humanity thing. It's a, it's a disease that's, a, you know, that's global, and it's affected every culture in the world. And it affected this culture. There was slavery going on long before the Europeans arrived. Long before the Africans arrived, do you have, you know, uh, history of slaves and slaves, tribes and slaving other tribes, you know? So let's put this away that, the, you know, white folks brought slavery to America. That was going on before they got here. The difference was the races changed. There was new products on the market, and in this case, the product was African. You know, so... Right. But just to interject, I, 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 you're correct. The new product, and there was a reason that there was a new product. But before we go there, my question is: How do we get this Native American literature into the American public system, educational system? I mean, there's a big push currently going on for zero to five education right now in, in the United States. So how do we get Native American into the American history book? You see what I'm saying? They took when yeah, they, when they, they listen, stopped man. black history. Let me let me let me get let me just make this quick point. When they stopped the black history movement and took black history out, say we're going to call it American history. So. How do we as Native Americans, those of us that were born in the continent today, yesterday, those of us that were Native Americans because their ancestry was here, how do we start getting, what do we have to do? This is the things I say to our children. What do we need to tell them this is what you need to do to start being able to read about this, have assignments on this for homework to graduate from fifth grade, sixth grade. How do, how do we do that? That's what, that's what I think Americans want to hear. How do we do that? I, I have no idea how you do that. I mean, that's, you're dealing with the public and private education system of America. You're also dealing with 
Americans not wanting to feel bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's <laughs> like in Germany where you want to teach about Nazism and the Holocaust and on and on. At some point, people start feeling guilty really bad. Now, you got to also understand that up until pretty much the 1970s and 80s, it was okay to kill an Indian because that's what you saw on TV. And most people in this country, most of my friends, most of my friends, you know, particularly in California and other places, when I tell them that I'm a creek, you know, and then they go, what's that? And then they go, oh, my God, Indians exist? You know, because we don't suppose to exist anymore. The genocide was supposed to have killed all of us off, exactly. you know. And the only way you even know we exist is because now you've got to go to our casino, you know. <laughs> and if the casino yeah, that... didn't exist, you would only read about us in books and see John Absolutely. Wayne movies because you Absolutely. would never, ever, ever imagine that an Indian person is still alive. But now that we have, you know, <laughs> casinos, we have, you know, we're using our monies wisely now to buy back our land and to educate our own people. And and you have to go to our casinos in most states because most states don't allow gaming, so tribes do, and that land is not state land that's gaming is done. That's on our own tribal land. So that's why you know we exist. If you in Texas, you go up to Oklahoma to go to the Choctaw Chickasaw Casino, you know. If you're in Mississippi, other than the riverboats, you go to the Choctaw Nation. I mean, this is around the country. If you're in Riverside County, where do you go? You go out to Palm Springs and you go to the Caliente or the Morongo Casino or whatever. You know those tribes exist because of the casinos. But it's not being taught in school mainly because people don't want to feel guilty. They don't want to know that their grandparents are living or stolen or whatever they had to do. You know, the manifest, uh, what is called the doctrine of discovery. Well, when your Christianity taught you that it was God's will that you take this land. You know, you're, you're doing the business of the Lord when you took this land from an Indian because he was just a savage. And he didn't worship Jesus anyway because, you know, he was a savage. So, you know, so no one wants to feel guilty about that. So it's not in school. You know, you're not going to. That's a special individual that can steal a country and steal the people to work it. That's a special individual. Make you feel that God has ordained that to happen against you. That's amazing. Mr. Yes. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, I wanted to say we're at the top of the hour. It's 8 o'clock, and I want to thank www.225pl.com for allowing us to have this riveting discussion. On the panel, we have Mr. Eli Grayson, we have Ron Thompson, and we have Rodney Best. And this is Straight Talk Live. We have a caller. We're going to add this caller right now. Caller, you want to state your name? Did you have a question or were you listening tonight? Ah, we have a listener. Well, that's okay. We love listeners. All right, so continue to listen. All right, go ahead. I I believe, uh, Ron, you had a comment. Yes, uh, I I was asking Mr. Grayson if you could uh, begin at the point of understanding for us 
the significance of the freedmen as it relates to the Indian, uh, uh, the, the Cherokee, the Chickasaw, the Choctaw, you okay. know that. Yes, thank the, you. The, okay, the history of the five civilized tribes and the reason the five civilized tribes, the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Cherokee, Creek, and Seminoles are even called civilized is because they mimic the European, or the, you know, the white man slavery, you know, the white man ways and blah, blah, blah. The original plantations in Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, they were all the Indians that had those plantations before the, you know, before, you know, when it was just colonies, so to speak. So, um, you know, the tribes uh, had adopted white people ways and, they started, you know, when as white people moved out of the colonies and, you know, hey, you know, why not have slaves? Why not buy slaves? Blah, blah, blah. You know, to work your fields, to work your cornfields, whatever. Slavery became a part of the Creek Nation. Slavery became a part of the Chickasaw Nation. Slavery became a part of the Cherokee Nation, you know. So when you, when and you that, say that, when you say that, can you can you help me? Uh, 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 take a snapshot of what that means. Slavery is a big word, and when you think of when you say slavery with with these different nations, and so they they have plantations that are, it, it it makes me think of a type of an antebellum type situation where you oh yeah had, absolutely uh, 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 acres and acres of whatever the product or, or it might be, and people out there working. Yep. And it was the yep. same type of uh, brutal uh, chattel slavery as yep. the Europeans. It's exactly what it was. <laughs> it's exactly Europeans, what it was. From, from my from my understanding, then, as I was as I was reading the, in, into African American history, the Europeans decided to take the African slave because the native slave was able to escape and they couldn't identify him. So when they saw the native using the same slavery education that they were implementing, they decided to start enslaving more into the Afri- African slave market than they did with the Native American slave market. But but real quick, before I, before I jump from there, jump, jump back into that, I, I, I just want to keep elaborating, and, and you might say I'm, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, but there were great men in, in, these, in these nations, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so in the in the in the in the in the American history book, we're talking about great successes as a as a as well along yeah. with some 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 uh, implementation implementations about things of negative things too. But I'm saying we don't even get any of the great men yeah. in the we American don't. history book for Native Native Americans or African Americans. And how do we as a
the history itself is so complicated because, you know, when we talk about European history, when you want to talk about the history of Great Britain, and but and but they're white people, you know, and you want to talk about the Italian history, same European, same white folks, French France history, the history of France, you know, you got to talk about it at different. I mean, you can't throw it all in one pot because over there you have though they're all white, so to speak. You have different languages, different religions, different traditions, different foods, on and on. It's a very complicated history in Europe. Well, it's the same thing here. You know, the first thing in our education about Indian people, particularly Creeks, that I talk to people about, when you want to talk about Creek history, then don't bring up the Navajo. You know, don't bring up the um, Cree or, you know, the Sioux. You can't talk about Creek history and include those other tribes because our history by itself is complicated and sophisticated enough to stand on, on uh, by itself, you know. So if you, this is what I have always suggested. If you were in the state of Arizona and you want to talk about American Indian history, I suggest you talk about the tribes from that area, that were originally from that area, and then teach the people around you living on our ancient land in Alabama about the Creeks, about the Muscogee people, you know. You know, at least that's a start. If you're in California, then talk about the Sumas or talk about the Morongo or whatever. You know, teach that history because when you try to look at all in one pile, you know, then it becomes oversimplified, generic, it doesn't make sense, and then you always go at the end of it, uh, I still don't understand why they have casinos, you know, because they don't suppose to exist, you know. But to the the brother who was speaking about, let me give you a quote about slavery. This is from Mr. T.J. Mackey, who was an Indian agent at the end of the Civil War in 1866. Indian agent to the five civilized tribes at the end of the Civil War. This is his quote. There were some 10,000 or 12,000 Negroes in the five nations. He's talking about the five civilized tribes. Those Negroes were held as slaves and were the subjects of barter and sale, as were the same class in the states of the South. This is what this man said on May 19, 1866, you know, speaking before a uh, U.S. Senate committee uh, about the conditions of Indians in Indian territory. You know, so if you can understand what he just said, there were some 10 to 12,000 Negroes in the five civilized tribes, and those Negroes were held as slaves and were the subjects of barter and sale, as were the same class in the states of the South. Then you can understand what slavery was like the five civilized tribes, instead of simplifying it and making it, oh, well, they were just cousins or they ran away from the white man in Mississippi and they were taken in by the tribe so they wanted to be a slave over here instead of over there. None of that crap makes any sense. A slave no. is a slave. Correct. 
Correct. Well, so there is a question, difference. There is a difference. Uh, you can't just say a slave is a slave. You're right. A slave is a slave, and and uh, Africans had slaves. Different people had slaves, but no one had slaves. Uh, no one treated them with the inhumanity that happened with blacks in America. Now, I'm still trying to understand and, and, and see a little bit better. I'm trying to uh, pull out to see how uh, uh, the uh, Indians you're talking about and these five civilized tribes treated uh, uh, black people, African slaves, and I find it hard-pressed to see that they could be trying to mimic uh, Europeans so much that they treated them with the same hatred and oh, and humanity. Yep, it, it, it might have happened, but it, it, for me, you could give me a little bit more information about the freedmen part of the process. I understand uh, that there were slaves with black with with the Indians. Uh, help me understand a little bit more the freedmen process and what that is all about. If you could okay. uh, widen okay. out that a little bit. All right. We'll just take, for example, the Creeks. Okay. The, the Creeks were a slaver's tribe. They, their economy was based on many different factors, and slavery was one of them. When the, when the Civil War broke out, the Creek Nation allied with the Confederate States because they wanted to protect their slave market and their slave That's economy. Right. That's you right. Know, so... They ended their treaty, their 1832 removal treaty is what it was with the United States, and signed a new treaty with the Confederate States because they thought the Confederate States would give them a better deal at the end of the day if they are allowed to keep their slaves. Well, just like in Mississippi, where you only had, you take the whole population of white folks in Mississippi, you still end up with about 3% of white people in Mississippi owning slaves. And the rest of the white people in Mississippi were just poor, average, and didn't own human beings. But they lived in a state that had laws, codes on the books that regulated human bondage and chattel slavery. What's the same way in the Creek Nation? In the Creek Nation, though you have a small percentage of Indians who own slaves, just small, maybe 2% of the whole population of our tribe were wealthy enough to own black people. The thing about it, though, the tribe had laws on the books that regulated that type of slavery, that allowed the bondage to go on. Instead of the entire tribe voting and saying, long before, we're not going to have no Negro slavery here. We're not going to have any kind of slavery whatsoever. We're not going to allow it to go on. They did the opposite. They allowed wealthy people to own slaves. So they were. So Indian. when you talk about the freedmen, you're talking about I'm freedmen amongst the Indian people, not necessarily what? the United States of America. But you're talking no, about freedmen as it relates to the relationship right. of the Indian yeah. and 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 his type of slavery. Okay, right. could you okay. speak to okay. that a now, now, let's be clear, because you keep saying the Indian. Let's let's make it clear. <laughs> <laughs> not all tribes own slaves. That's yes, I, I got that. We're talking about five civilized tribes. There were, you know, hundreds and hundreds of Indian tribes that had no African slavery. Yes, yes. You know, but you did have five that's recorded in history yes. as having African slaves and having laws on the books that regulated slavery. I the Chickasaws happened to be the worst of them. I mean, they did things that made, you know, plantations in Mississippi 
looked like heaven. You would read their slave code, and you would just be, oh, my God. So so can you tell us a little bit about how the dynamic of the freedmen, uh, I'm still trying to get to that part. I'm I'm getting to that. Oh, okay, thank you. What happened? Okay, we can't. We can't hear you. Okay. Okay, Uh, Mr. Grayson, we're having trouble hearing you. Go ahead. Okay, the Confederate uh, states lost the war, you know, the Union War. Well, because the Christians signed a treaty with the Confederates, they lost too. So there was a condition of surrender to the United States because we had broke that treaty with the U.S., we had allied with the Confederates. Half of our tribe went to Kansas because they didn't want to participate in this war. Um, but overall, the leadership of the Creek Nation. They were slavers, and by signing that treaty and even creating this own mini civil war in the Creek Nation, where you have the Battle of Honey Spring, all these Confederate battles that happened in Indian Territory, at the end of the day, they had to surrender to the Union Army. A new treaty had to be written with the United States. And the U.S. was very clear on slavery in America. It says, you know, you're familiar with emancipation. We don't have to go on that. Well, the Treaty of 1866 was the emancipation for Africans who were enslaved by the Creeks. Okay, right. and in that treaty, it basically said that our former slaves, the people who had been free blacks or people of African descent who had been enslaved, they are now members of the tribe. They are now equal citizens in the Creek Nation, just like the Indian citizens. They have equal rights of the soil and the money and anything that was going on. The slaves now are considered to be equal citizens in the Creek Nation. Now, you can imagine a whole bunch of black people and who were owned by Indians who had been freed, who had been owned by Creeks, had been freed, became citizens of the Creek Nation. These were not African Americans. They were African Creeks. They were not the same as black people in Mississippi who had been owned by Mississippians or Americans down there who had received, uh, you know, American citizenship after emancipation. Black people who were owned by members of the five civilized tribes. They became citizens of the five civilized tribes. They didn't have American citizenship. <laughs> they, they were treated as Indians. And they didn't even get American citizenship until state out of Oklahoma. You know, and, and that's what's crazy that people don't understand. You have a whole classification of black folks in Oklahoma whose ancestors were not Americans until Oklahoma became a state in 1907. Though black people in Mississippi had got their uh, American citizenship upon their emancipation. Okay, I have a I, I, I have a question, gentlemen. Okay, my question is, okay, so do you think it would have been a better barter system if blacks were also considered as a sovereign nation within a nation and were signed a treaty on their own? No. No, you've got to understand, (laughs) you know, no, and I'll tell you a reason why. The land that the tribes own is called, was called land in common, meaning that no individual owned a plot of land. 
All the land in the Creek Nation was owned by all the people of the Creek Nation jointly. And when our former slaves had become Creek citizens, they were now owners of that land too. Okay. Well, I think there was she was no asking separate. outside of the. Uh, I think she was asking in general, not just uh, about the why, Creek why of black people. Owned by the if I'm not putting they, words in your mouth, Barbara. Yeah. Well, I understand what you're saying, but what I'm saying is that because the United States had a treaty relationship with a country, the Creek Nation, a nation of people, right? right. You know, to now split them up and say this is going to be a nation of Black Creeks and this is going to be a nation of white of of Red Creeks, so to speak. How does that help anybody? You know, they, that's they the didn't, problem they didn't, that they we didn't have want, today. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do that because that was, to me, to me, reading the reading the European history in America, how they were trying to exploit and establish, that would have created a real bog. And what I mean by bog, I mean it would have made them look more devilish of killing these natives, and now they have now they have natives that they were supposed to be enslaving. Now they say, oh wait a minute, hold. On. How can how can we say that? How can we say that you're you're from Africa when you're over here and you, we're recognizing you another way? You know, I've always I've always tried to figure out why Texas why Texas was the last state in America to grant freedom to slaves. And now, now, if you, if you have this uh, part what, of the history, what year was that? Honey, what year? Honey. What year was that? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, in, in general, from reading, Texas was last. But when you look at what had occurred above Texas, Missouri, Kansas, what had occurred with that whole identity of countries? See, the native countries. It was a reason why Texas. The, the white man that went to Money. Texas couldn't couldn't jump in there and say couldn't jump in there and say okay I'm just gonna I'm just I'm gonna go along with the freedom thing and it's 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 just it's something there there's something going on with that part of the central part of the United States that really needs to the cover man I tell you we pull the cover off of that we might find something that we really really need. No, well, brother. People. The only thing I could tell you is that the Creek Nation has always been a independent nation of the United States. We happen to be conquered, but we were here before. We were originally in Alabama, Georgia, and and, and parts of Florida before right. those states even existed. We were moved out under the Indian Removal Act under Andrew Jackson in 1832 to Indian Territory, and this land that we still have today or in the area that I live in today but that was supposed to be our land forever and ever you know of course the U.S. broke those treaties you know but as far as freeing our slaves and making them members of our tribe I have no problem with that I think the people of that day did the right thing they did the same thing America did when America freed its slaves and made black you know, enslaved black people, citizens of the United States, slaves owned by the Creeks became citizens of the Creek Nation. May I ask you Absolutely. This, uh, uh, one moment. 
hold your thought. Everybody, we're listening to www.p25cl.com. This is Straight Talk Live, and we are having a live recording tonight. We're discussing blood quantum. We're discussing with um, Eli Grayson from Oklahoma and from the Creek Nation. We have Ron Thompson on the recording uh, asking questions, and he is in charge of Montage out of Berkeley, California, and we also have our executive producer and wealth expert, Mr. Rodney Best. Now, everybody, we have a caller that has been waiting patiently. I want to see. Let's see. Hello, caller. Uh, you want to state your name? Are you on the panel tonight Are you with a question or are you listening? Ah, we have a listener, and that's good, too. We love listeners. Okay, so go ahead, uh, Juan, you have a question, and uh, gentlemen, we have about 15 minutes, so as, at this time, we want to kind of wrap up and uh, with our responses. Go ahead, Ron. Uh, I, I'm wondering, during that particular time, how the Creek and, and other more uh, Oklahoma sovereign uh, people survived the land rush. Uh, the government land rush in Oklahoma? Well, after the Civil War, um, the tribes lost vast amounts of land. Not only did we have to end slavery within the Cree Nation, we lost two-thirds of our treaty land. The federal government just took it. They, mm-hmm. I think they paid us like 30 cents an acre for it. That, that with the Chickasaw, Choctaw, the Seminole, the Cherokee, that's the, what, what is the western half of the state of Oklahoma. That became Oklahoma Territory in 1866. Indian Territory became the eastern part of what's known as the state, and that's where the five civilized tribes remain today. Oklahoma Territory, which was land taken from the tribes again after the Civil War, had become open up to white settlers, and they move Indian tribes from the plains, from the uh, you know Midwest, other places in the United States, the Cheyenne, Arapahoe, other tribes. They move them there as well. We survived it, you know. We survived it. We, you know, and that's what tribal governments do. You know, we put up with the United States. We put up with all the grief, you know, all the bull crap that go on from land stealing to all kind of stuff, and we. You know, we adapt, so to speak, and then we learn their game. We get better at it, and then they come up with another game to come at us, you know. So, uh, you know, <laughs> what could we do? We had to survive. We're still here. I mean, Barbara is a member of the Creek Nation. She lives in California. She doesn't have to live in the Creek Nation to be a member of our tribe. So we have adapted to allow our tribal members to live anywhere in the world. Yes, uh, I I. I know very well about the creek. My, uh, I have an ex who was a creek, and my sons are 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 part creek. So I know very well, um, and and I I'm really pleased that. Well, I'm, listen, man. I'm glad you brought that word up. You know, your sons are part creek, and that's part of the education problem that we have. Either you're a creek right. or you're not. You know, you're not right. part American. 
You're not part right. Mexican. Well, I, I say that because the delineation means that you have no, this it, amount, that well, amount, this amount, and now we're getting an education. You just disillusioned You think that our political society is based on a, a lineage that could be diluted, you know. That's just like saying they're the first American, the first person after George Washington. George Washington was the original American. Any of his kids became a deluded American. We don't even think like that when we think about our American citizenship. Yet we throw Indian tribes into that mix, where there is an original Indian back in 1906. Any descendant from this original Indian is going to be part of a tribe. Instead of letting the person, their descendants, being the same thing as their original ancestor was, you know, that's part of the American system that we call it genocide, political genocide, where they want to wipe us off the out, off the map because they want to give us this. You know, it's part of Jim Crow mentality where they right. want to keep make us believe that we are part of something instead of being something. Well, I wasn't coming from that particular. I wasn't coming from that. No, no, no. You wasn't coming from that. I told you. You wasn't coming from that, Ron. But what he's saying, though, what what he's saying. what we hear all the time. I I understand that. hear from our tribal members. I I understand that. All I know is that. But the key word there was Jim Crow. See, See, Jim Crow in America today, right now today, we talk about Jim Crow, but people aren't really listening. The brown society, the brown people, that's the whole new Jim Crow. You know, they've, they've taken away everything from what they were calling black American, colored American, you know, African American. Now it's brown American. See, it's it's, it's no, very interesting brother, how he, how he, how I he meant, said that. There, how he said that there, what I, I meant by Jim Crow, what I meant by Jim Crow is when, the Creek Nation ended in 1906 for the statehood for the state of Oklahoma to exist. The first laws on the book were Jim Crow. They made our Indian citizens white. If you had a drop of black blood and you were a black member, a Lestrade member of our tribe, you became was then a African American. Your marriages became illegal. On and on and on. Now you wind that up a hundred and some years later. Now 110 years later. We still have people think that, and we still have people who who say the words they're part Creek. When you can't be part of a political society, it's like right. being part Democrat, a part Republican. Right. Yeah, that may be that may be true. That may be true. That's very true. Where I was That's coming from true. is that me, an African American, marrying a woman who was part African American and part Creek, made a baby. No. Not, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking politically. Was, I'm just talking about I'm talking about human human genealogy and the mixing right. of those two people. I'm not talking. I'm not talking. No, so 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 I'm, I'm not I'm not yourself, incorrect. I'm not but, incorrect but listen, in saying the uh, part. Man, you just define yourself as I'm, an African American or, or black who married right. a priest instead of saying a black who married. He sure did. Sure, exactly. Exactly. I know exactly American what I said. I know exactly what I said. I know exactly what I said. I know exactly what I called myself. I know exactly, right. and I know the context of what we're talking though, about. I understand that. The same thing. There are three delineations. The there are three delineations of people on the planet. There are three delineations only. There's Negroid, yeah. Mongoloid, and, 
out of that, everything gets broken up. Everything gets broken up out of that. We understand that. We understand that it's all melanation and how either either pure melanation down the line to no melanation. So we understand that. Uh, I, I'm not going to take this time to um, debate my, you know, my my point of view in terms of my children. But I, I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm saying that ugly things have happened to all the peoples in this country who were not necessarily European. And Europeans were ugly to Europeans. I want right. to understand even more what was happening. And, 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 and I know that from sea to sea, from, from top to bottom, this was the Indians' country. The people mm-hmm. that were here were called Indians. I don't know how right or wrong that is, but I do know that there was a people here when this, when, when the Europeans came, when all the explorers came. And I know that atrocities happened to all of these people because they say, where are the Indian people? The Indian people are not here anymore. You don't bump into them in safe ways or whatever your story is, your supermarket, wherever you live. You know, they're, they're just about gone. So it's, it's a celebration to me. It's a joy to me to see and to learn about the indigenous people. I will call them indigenous people because they were here first and that they're striving and that they're, they're, they're still going and that they are sovereign. I'm glad, I'm glad that the treaties were like they were and that the reservations were like they were so that they have those casinos right now because the money is what is respected in this country more than your identity or whatever classification you're in. The money is what gets respect. So I'm glad that that's happening, and I'm glad for the information that you're providing, sir, Grayson. Well, I I just want to say, everybody, you know what? This has been a real riveting show. We've learned a lot tonight. And we have been able to really grasp on different points of view and different understandings of actually the definition of how we're defined by others. And that's what's most important. Um, Eli, in the last few minutes, uh, could you talk a little bit about why would they pick you to come out from Oklahoma to speak at UC Irvine at the law school? What is the necessity for people to understand sovereignty, treaty, indigenous people, and U.S. law? Could you kind of give us a little backdrop on that, please? Well, I don't know why they asked me. There could have been a, a thousand different other people who were more qualified than me to speak at that event. But um, the issue at that event was blood quantums and disenrollment in the U.S. among Indian tribes. And I think the issue that we were talking about specifically from from our tribe is why did we kick out a whole classification of people called the Creek Freedmen in 1979. We disenrolled them. We took their rights away. Though our tribe, the United States government, had went into a treaty uh, of uh, we, have, we have noise. We have noise. Uh, okay, go ahead. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Um, you know, I and I think that's why they invited me out to talk about the disenrollment of Creek and Creek Freedmen in 1979 and what was being done about it. And they were also talking about blood quantum. And I don't believe in blood quantum because it's 
just a federal government's way of political genocide. To think that you could be part of a political society is ridiculous. Right. You know, we don't say we're part American or you're one eighth, you know, or you're one eighth uh, citizen of Spain and one uh, fourth citizen of France. And, you know, either you're a citizen of the Greek nation or you're not. You know, and uh, we think that away because the government has thrown these crimes at us, these federal programs at us, which are crimes, and they let us fight over them. And then they tell us, well, then start fighting over it based on how much Indian you are or how much descent you are from your original ancestor on the, you know, Thousand Rolls or something like that. All of this stuff, which is not traditional, which is not has nothing to do with our culture, nothing to do with our people before statehood, you know. And we do it. We, it's our fault because we treat each other badly because we're fighting over crimes, you know. And hopefully one day we get smarter. But well, you know, I think I think I think that's a great I think that's a great uh, overview because that's what happens when a people are divided and they're they're conquered. Uh, you know, Ron, I want to go back to what you were saying. Um, you know, when uh, we were so, when this country was so-called discovered, there were 10 million indigenous people and different tribes that were already residents and were already thriving on this land. So as a conquered people, um, there was a, a loss in history. There was a renaming. You know, um, our name is really, we call ourselves Creek, but really, we were really Muskoki. And so, well, and then there's bands in that. Tell us about, a little bit about that, Eli. Well, if you're going to specifically talk about the Muscogee people, which we call ourselves Muscogee, that's true today. But even in 1832, we were 82 different tribes that made up what was called the Creek Confederacy. But we were 82 distinct tribes that bound together to form one government, you know, the Choctaws had a similar situation with the Chicago Seminoles. Seminoles today are 14 bands, you know, um, in, in tribes across the U.S., you know. But the reality is, is that a lot of Americans do speak native tongues. They just don't realize it. If you're living in Mississippi, every time you say that Choctaw word, Mississippi, if you're living in Oklahoma, every time you say that, that Choctaw word, Oklahoma. If you're living in Alabama, every time you say that Alabama word, you speak in Creek, you know, and on and on. Indiana, you know, we go on and on and on. You're talking the languages of those those original people that have long forgotten, you know. So uh, the thing about it, though, beyond the language, tribes are is people. The people make up these tribal governments, not just the land, but the people themselves. And throughout the 500 years of European and African, con- you know, contact, there's still some tribes that are still here, and they're struggling. They're, I mean, they're struggling. Only a small percentage of Indian tribes even have casinos. People say all Indian tribes have casinos, and everybody's getting a per cap and getting money, and that's not so. It's just a small percentage of Indian tribes that have gaming. Uh, and, and even the, some of the ones that do have gaming, 
their gaming, uh, their their casinos are so remote. The only people that are gaming in there are their own numbers. You know, so, but we're still here. You know, the creatures are still here. I'm wondering, as you as you speak, and you've been talking about the South, it reminds me, and maybe you can shed a little light on this and help me to understand uh, the mound people, what was happening with mound That's the creatures people. Yeah. Yes. That's our that's who we are. Our culture is of the mound people. When you go to the muggy mounds in Georgia or whatever, you know yes. still yes. the capital of the Creek Nation that's located in the state of Oklahoma, our capital is Oak Muggy. You know, you go to Oak Muggy, Oklahoma, which you run into you go to the Creek Nation capital right there, you know. So now the, I'm gonna uh, lose you guys because we're just having a Thunder warning, or we're having a ton of warning here in Tulsa. Oh, so. well, we want you to batten down. You know, we've heard about that. Anyway, it's almost time to close the show. We want to just thank you, uh, Eli Grayson, for, number one, your commitment to uh, searching through history and to putting up our role numbers and to making sure that people are educated and understand their lineage. We want to thank you so much. I'm going to email this to you. Protect yourself and stay covered. Uh, we uh, appreciate you coming on, and we're going to have you on again as we talk more about blood quantum. We talk more about sovereign nations. We had a history lesson on the Creek Nation. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit, uh, Ron, what's happening, what's coming up for you with Montage and your project? I've got a couple of things that I'm working on. One of the things that I'm working on that I'm uh... – uh, really excited about. I've been, uh, I've had to take it off the shelf. I've been busy with other things and kind of had a producer's block. But uh, there is, uh, I'm doing a thing with uh, sharecropping and cotton and how cotton was king and how cotton uh, helped save America. Uh, I've been doing, since my black history uh, information, uh, a lot I, I was dealing with uh, inventions that black people gave to America and the patents for those uh, inventions because a lot of times you'll say things and people will not believe that black people created this and when you uh, produce the patent. So what, where I'm going with uh, the sharecroppers is that there is in Mississippi a new monument, a memorial uh, for the cotton pickers. There's a Cotton Pickers Memorial. There's a Cotton Pickers uh, 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 whole uh, uh, museum that's set up now to to celebrate and glorify the the sharecropper and the cotton picker because I love it. I love it. Where it is without the cotton pickers. I'm sorry. The, the contribution of blood, sweat, and tears with the hard work that made the richest country in the world. Yes. And it's time to really celebrate that yes. and to raise these uh, questions, uh, give poignant answers, and to have the ongoing debate so we can get to the bottom of it and so we can understand just who is going to pay us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. That's right. <laughs> now, Rodney, you tell me a little bit about... Uh, What's going on with Mr. Best? I know that you are looking 
forward to retirement. I know that things have been good in Oakland. Tell us a little bit about how you are uh, doing these days, sir. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just moving one step at a time. But before I jump into Rodney, I just want to add one quick thing about that, that, that whole um, thing of the population uh, gentrification notification, whether you're a quarter this, a quarter that. It's, it's so ironic that when they did the current census and they saw a decrease in the Caucasian population, we started now getting this brown population, this brown identification is saying, well, you're quarter white, so you're white, and you're also black. And because they, I think, was trying to protect the federal and state dollars that were going to their living environment. It was just something that, you know, as I was listening to Eli, it was just pondering around in my mind. And it's something I'm going to seriously take a hard look into because if that's what's going on, if that's how their population has increased, then I think that there's something that people need to start saying. But as far as me, myself, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, painting the house, keeping myself busy like that, um, getting ready to forge on, like you say, into retirement. I'm enjoying my, my, my seventh month. Uh, and retirement doesn't mean I stop living. It just means I don't have to get up and punch a uh, time clock. I don't have to get Absolutely. up and go to, we <laughs> have to, to report to somebody. Right. So I can, So I'm moving at my own. I'm, I'm going to still service my, 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 my client base. I'm getting ready to train some people. And, uh, you know, because, um, you know, when you were successful, so you got to, you know, like God said, don't just bury it. Share it and let, let others be fruitful and multiply from it. So I'm looking forward Absolutely. to some creative things Absolutely. out of there. Well, we're so thankful that you're back. We're so glad to have you on the channel. Ron Thompson, I want to thank you. Uh, specifically for taking out and carving out time to be with us. Uh, we send you blessings. You're always welcome on the couch here in the penthouse at Straight Talk Live. I also want to go uh, thank to you. the producer, Mr. Rodney Best. You know we love you, Rodney. And we know that so be soon we'll be having a reunion. We want to give our condolences. May 7th. May 7th at Jeffrey's, at Jeffrey's uh, Lounge. We're going we're gonna to be there. Uh, it's going to be all about Al Ballard. We're paying a little memorial to Al Ballard on May 7th. That's a Sunday, and it starts at 2 o'clock, and it's going to go to 6 o'clock. So if you know people who were in the Solby family, if you don't know people in the Solby family, come yourself. We're going to have a great time. Absolutely. Well, I love it, and you guys heard it first here. Now, I want to thank www.t25cl.com, where you can support independent artists. You can also download United We Stand for $3.99, and it's a fantastic picture, a motion picture about servicing the community and servicing Africa. So if you want to be able to uh, be a part of this great thing, tune in Mondays for Content Politics, Tuesdays for Straight Talk Live, Wednesdays for Rosalind's Corner and Thursdays for Soul Vibrations. Okay, I'm your girl, Barbara McGee, and I want to thank you. You heard it first right here. Thank you, Eli Grayson, for joining us. And to all, a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.